Uh, my name is Kyle Ronquillo. It just—it really does honestly feel like God has a plan for me. Um, growing up in my household, it was obviously a very competitive environment because uh, all my parents and my brothers and siblings always love to compete. We always have a connection to the Lord and we always thank Him for everything in our life. Football and sports has brought me closer to people and it's helped me uh, connect my faith and share my faith in the same way. I've always wanted to play on scholarship at college and I always wanted to see my older brother on the high school field doing crazy stuff and I want to do it too. Uh, state championship game, first state, uh, football state championship game in uh, school history. Um, we're the underdogs. I would always pray before games just because I, mean, I trust the man above. Fourth quarter, I want to say there was 53 seconds left. Um, and we were down by one, 13 to 12. I had three broken bones and a torn ligament in my foot during the game. I heard it in the first quarter. So um, I remember saying to myself, like, please God, I worked so hard for this. We call a halfback wheel. And uh, so I fake a handoff and I run around and there was a safety over top and there was a person manned up on me. I was pretty much doubled up by people. And uh, I don't know if my quarterback didn't see the safety or not. I'm not sure. but. I was like, oh, he's not gonna throw it. And then he threw it, and I was like, oh, I was like, I gotta get moving. The defensive back was pretty far in front of me, and I'm running at him. I'm like, okay, he's looking in the sky, so I know the ball is falling near him. And as soon as I see his arms cuff like this, as I'm running towards him, I'm like, all right, he's about to catch it. So I gotta do two things. One, I gotta take the ball from him. Or two, I gotta hit him super hard so he drops the ball or we lose. And so basically I just got a full head of steam and ran into him and uh, I tried to pop the ball out. My hands happened to get in and grab the ball. He was just in so much shock, he like, he just lost it. And so I took it from him and then there was really no one else in front of me and so I scored and uh, my foot was still hurting, but it was such a good moment. And I celebrated with some of my buddies in the end zone. My report date to Princeton is August 22nd. I'm gonna go down there and play football. It sounds cheesy because everyone says it, but it's the truth. I feel like God has a bigger plan than me. I feel like God has something in store for me. So I've just, throughout these years, I've been putting my head down, trusting Him, trusting the process. Awesome. God has a bigger plan, and I'm going to trust him in the process. Kyler, are you here today? I heard you might be here. Maybe he's watching online. But um, what a cool thing uh, to kind of fun way to uh, end the season. And I went to Yelm High School as well. So Kyler had this uh, game-winning state championship play with less than a minute left. And I scored five points per game in the high school basketball team. So together, we're tornado legends. We, we will go down in history for sure. So... Cool story. Thanks for sharing your story. And in fact, my uh, group, my life group, was praying for him when the scholarship was uh, revoked from Portland State, and he had, and got a chance to go to Princeton of all places. And uh, just kind of cool when God shuts the door and opens another one. So excited for you and your future. All right. The message title today is simply this: God sees more. And um, isn't that true that God sees more than you and I see? I mean, I sure hope He does, right? 
And sometimes I feel bad for God because I see a lot of pain and suffering in people's life because of my position. But I know that God sees all the pain and all the suffering and all the tragedy in the world and all the way that humans hurt each other and themselves. And I just think, man, God, I'm not sure I want to see everything that you see. But here's the reality. What if you and I could see what God sees? And I wish this. I wish you could see yourself as God sees you. Because I believe that God sees you far better than you see yourself. I think he looks at you and sees someone that he deeply loves, appreciates, created, uh, sent his son to die for, and you have so much value. What if we could see what God sees? Often God has something bigger or better for you and for your future, um, and we just have to learn how to trust him, and learning to trust God's not easy. This picture, I think it's kind of hard to see on the screen, but a picture of Jesus with a giant teddy bear and a little girl with her tiny little teddy bear saying, but God, I love it, and Jesus says, trust me because he has something more for us. Uh, There's just something powerful when we realize that God has something more. So listen, when I control my life, when I just do what I can do, I can control my life is limited. But when you trust your, God, your life to God, he can make more with your life than you can make of it. And he always does. I'm convinced that if you could see what God sees, you would readily give your life to him. So we're going to talk about what God sees in us, in humans today. If you have your Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 16 is where we're going to be. Uh, it's right before 2 Samuel. And if you're a person that doesn't uh, read the Bible well or has struggled with that, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, the book of Acts, and of course the Gospels, great place to start, very easy to read, uh, and transformational uh, stories in our lives, all right, for us. So we pick up the first king of Israel, Saul, is not willing to trust God for his success, and God goes searching for a new king, a new leader of his people. The people had always been led by a spiritual leader. They said, we want to be led by a military uh, leader, by a king. And so the Lord allowed them to have a king, but the first king, uh, King Saul, um, did not trust the Lord. So God goes looking for a new king, and of all the places that God goes and finds a new king, he finds the new king with the lowly task of watching sheep. That's not where you're kind of supposed to find kings. David doesn't arrive on the scene, King David that we know does not arrive on the scene when he faces Goliath. He doesn't arrive on the scene when he's leading the nation. David was preparing for that moment his entire life. You know, sometimes people just see one little snippet and they go, oh yeah, he was always that that way. Listen, everybody's in the process of becoming, right? It's growth for all of us. So David's in the process of becoming and those years while he is a shepherd in the wilderness were preparing him for God's call on his life. David was ready for the anointing to face the giant, he's ready for the crown to become king later in his life because he didn't waste his years in the wilderness. David didn't sit on a rock and complain to the sheep. He learned the harp. He learned how to stay alert. He learned how to spot attacks. He walked and talked with the Lord. And a lot of us, it's easy in life just to wake up and say, ugh, another day. And for David, ugh, another day out here in the wilderness watching sheep. Just scratch another, you know, notch on the wall. But some people, they wake up like this. They wake up and say, I was blessed with another day. I get to practice with my sling today. I get to save my father's sheep today from a predator. Another day to play my harp. Another day to worship the Lord outside. Another day to pray. Another day to hear God's voice. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to make the most of today. Listen, church, time waiting with God is never time wasted. If you're in a place of waiting or wilderness, 
This is a time to prepare for what God has next in your life. David was ready on his big days because he spent time with the Lord in his every day. I'm convinced that there is a young person right now, and they are just getting into the scripture. Some 14, 15-year-old, maybe in our church, another church in this city, and they are just learning how to hear God's voice on an everyday basis. And, and maybe there's an adult that's making church a priority. And God has something great in their future. It's not going to happen 20 years from now. It starts happening today in the daily walk with the Lord, learning to hear his voice, learning to follow after him. Uh, in your, if you're in your wilderness years, man, David is your guy. And, and God was preparing him for something later in life. Don't miss that in your life as well. You could be saying, like David could have said, all those jerks, Man, all my older brothers, they have all this blessing in their life. When do I get my chance at greatness? Here I am out here with the sheep 24 hours a day. Listen, today is the day that God has given me, God has given you, so let's make the most of it. And let me remind you of this, that God sees the potential in you. God sees the potential in you more than you see the potential in yourself. God doesn't just see you as you are today. Hallelujah for that. He sees who you can become in your life, in your future. When I was young, I was immature, I was often self-centered, I was awkward, I was insecure in so many ways. And one of the things I'm so grateful for is for older people who looked into my life, whether I was young and cocky, or whether I was insecure, or, or whatever it was about my life, and they believed in me and helped me become who God wanted me to be. God sees the potential in you, and God surrounds you with people that can do that as well. So listen, let's don't judge others on their worst day or their worst qualities. Here's what's amazing about God. He takes the worst thing that ever happened in your life and he turns it into a ministry. Have you noticed that? God takes like the worst day, the worst struggle, the worst mess up in my life. And if we'll allow him to, he'll turn that into something that helps other people and I get to be a part of it. It's incredible. So don't judge others by their worst day or their worst qualities. God sees more in you and in them as well. First Samuel chapter 16, God is looking for the next leader of his people. Verse 1 of that book of the Bible, 1 Samuel 16. This is what it says. Now the Lord said to Samuel, the, the prophet, the priest, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king over Israel, so fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. Man, what an interesting time in history that God sends his priest, his prophet, the leader of his people, Samuel, to go and select the new king, and he's taken this olive oil to anoint him as the next king of Israel. Watch what Samuel's response is in this time. Verse 2, but Samuel asked, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. He is the king after all now. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which of, his, which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed, and when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came out trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? Evidently, this guy Samuel is highly respected and hears from God. Verse 5, yes, Samuel replied, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. How many know that was only part of it? Here's the part I'm going to tell you. But I'm also here on a secret mission to bring out the next king. He said, I've come here to sacrifice to the Lord, so purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice also. Listen, um, 
Samuel protested when God asked him to do something. It's okay to say, God, I really don't want to do that. I got to be honest, God, like that's not on my agenda today. I don't really want to take that risk. Here's the reality. When, when God asks you to do something, when you're walking with God, he's always going to ask you to do something that's bigger than you. If you have not recently said, like, God, I don't want to, that's going to cost me, it's going to be sacrifice, it's going to be awkward, it's going to be painful. I, 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 listen, faith begins at the end of your comfort zone. God's always asking you to do something that's too big for you. And we got to be willing to step up to that task. So Samuel's asked God the question, God, I really don't want to do this. I could lose my life. But eventually Samuel is obedient to the Lord and goes and does what the Lord has called him to do. Obedience is a sign of lordship. You're Lord of my life. I'll do what you want me to do. So the people consecrate themselves. Verse 6, when they arrived, when these sons of Jesse arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and he thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. This guy just walks in the room and and Samuel, the priest, uh, says, man, this guy, surely he's the Lord's anointed. I'm guessing Eliab must have been about 6'2 with red auburn colored hair, athletic build, trim beard, dripping with leadership. And Samuel immediately says, this, this guy just looks the part. Maybe he's tall, maybe he has swagger, maybe he has a presence about his life. Samuel took one look at him and was impressed. I want to ask this question, have you ever taken a look at someone and just been immediately impressed? And have you ever realized that your first impression was wrong? Imagine how the world would be different if we saw through God's eyes, ourselves and others. Imagine how the dating world would change if people could see right through others into the essence of who they are. It would no longer be, wow, she's so attractive. Look at all the bars on his chest. Look at all the, the social media friends they have. Look at, look at they're just so amazing on the outside. Their appearance is so incredible. Listen, uh, here's the reality. The depths of one's character is deeper than what is visible. The, the depths of one character, one's character is deeper than what is visible. Sometimes we can see what's on the, the, you know, the top side of, of land, but there's these roots underneath in our lives. And maybe it's good to not just go find a pretty face. Maybe it's good to find someone who's going to be a great husband, a great father, a great mother to your kids. Not just what's visible on the outside. I love the statement, if you're single, run after Jesus as fast as you can. If someone keeps up, introduce yourself. Right? I'm not, I'm not going looking for something, trying to make it happen on my own. I'm trusting God to help make that happen. Go below the service. Get to know people's integrity, their honesty, the way they treat people when, when there's nothing these people can offer them. Find out what drives them, what has shaped their lives thus far. Listen, even a well-traveled, wise prophet like Samuel didn't see it. He initially is duped. He's initially just caught off guard by this guy's presence, his appearance. Instead, let's be discerning. The Lord knew Samuel's thoughts, knew how Samuel was impressed with his outward appearance. And because God knew Samuel's thoughts, we get this incredible verse that I've memorized. That if somebody says, Pastor Peter, where's that verse? I'll tell them exactly. 1 Samuel 16, chapter, chapter 16, verse 7. It's, it's such an important thing for us to remember. And this is what it says. And today in our culture, we need to realize this. The Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. Here it comes. People judge by, out, by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. 
Humans are deceived by their eyes. Can you admit that sometimes you have been as well? God can look straight through each one of us to our hearts, the very essence of who we are. You can be in style. You can have all the look. But how can we assess someone better? How can we look at people's hearts? How can we focus on our hearts and be more like God? Verse 8 says this, Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, This is not the one the Lord has chosen. So not the first one and not the second one. Um, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. So next, he summoned, Jesse summoned Shimea. But Samuel said, neither is this one the Lord has chosen. Three strikes and you're out almost right here. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Wow. One at a time. What a strange moment. It's almost like the dating game. It's like speed dating for a king. I almost like hear the music come on. Well, he's a Middle Eastern man who can hunt fish and plant crops. He knows how to read and hopes to have 11 sons. Please welcome Abinadab. You know, like, and then he, he doesn't work. So then they go after, you know, Eliab, Shimia, none of them work. It's like a bad episode of The Bachelorette. Actually, they're all bad. So let's just go there. None of the seven are chosen. And by the way, you don't want the job if you're not called to it. You don't want the job if you're not called to it. And so Samuel asked this question. He, he knows he's heard from the Lord. Are these all the sons you have? Jesse, I came here from God for one of your sons, and none of them that you've showed me are the right guy. Samuel's thinking, I, I, I don't think I missed something. And here it comes from Dad. There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. It almost sounds like, well, I wasn't sure it was worth mentioning. He's just the shepherd. Honestly, more than anything, he's kind of a, a goat herder kind of guy. Have you ever felt like somebody just looked at you and they're like, well, she's a goat herder, you know? <laughs> you know, he, he, he's not good at a lot of other stuff, but he could, he could watch sheep, you know, like maybe you felt like the way, that way before and you're not even summoned to the important place at the table. A lot of us have felt that way. A lot of us have felt overlooked. Here's the good news. You are never overlooked or unnoticed by God. Listen, sometimes the people closest to you, they take you for granted. That's not just you in your life. That's all of us. Our friends, our family, it's commonplace. Sometimes you don't even see the potential in the people all around us. Even Jesus talked about that a prophet is not accepted in his hometown. It happens to all of us. And the answer to that is not to tell people how, how capable you are. The answer to that is to win them over by your actions over a course of time. And people will learn and see the quality and the depth of character in you. So Samuel sends for David, and then he says this, We won't sit down until he arrives. I know some of you are like, I hope that he's really close by, right? <laughs> Sometimes in the Bible they say, We will not eat or drink until this happens. And I, I, sometimes I wonder if people kind of go, oh, no, how long is this going to be? I'm already hungry. I'm thirsty. Verse 12, so Jesse sent for him, the youngest son, out in the fields watching the sheep. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. Here's good news for those of you that are good looking. God loves you too. The rest of us don't like you, but God still loves you. He can use good looking people too. 
It's ironic that, you know, right after this verse about, you know, man judges by the outward appearance, and then, then this guy comes in, and he's actually dark and handsome, has beautiful eyes, and the Lord says, this is the one to anoint. I'm going to use him. God uses humans, all of us. No sooner had, had David entered into Samuel's presence than the Lord commanded Samuel to anoint him as Israel's next leader. Are you serious? you got seven older brothers in an elder brother male-dominated society, and they, listen, they watch the prophet turn the olive oil upside down, and it pours down their youngest brother's head through his still-forming beard. I wonder if you're an older brother in that society. If you look at that and you go, no way. I would like to think that all seven older brothers go, God's chosen my youngest brother, David. This is awesome. I'm going to champion him for, for all of his days. If you know the story, when David goes to the battle and they begin to make fun of him, what are you doing here? We know you're just here for to grandstand. I'm bringing food and supplies from dad. Hello. It's hard sometimes to get behind somebody who you don't think is as great as God thinks, evidently. Being anointed the next king of Israel in front of his brothers is just colossal. The witnesses are his elder brothers. And the oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. It's no small thing to be anointed with oil. It says this, and, from, and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. He's already walking and talking with God. He's serving God in the wilderness. And this day something happens. A mantle falls on him. And it says the spirit of the Lord came upon him powerfully. Um, and from that day on, the spirit was upon David. Listen, let me remind you this. David can do what God's called him to do, not because Samuel thinks he's great. And it's not about, you know, because of other things that he's done. It's not because he got voted in by his brothers, because he certainly didn't. The reason he can do what God's called him to do is because the Spirit of the Lord is upon him and with him. It's not his strength. It's not the people around him. It's not the person who uh, propelled him. It's the Spirit of God on him. When I read that, I say, yes, please, may the Spirit of God come powerfully upon you and upon me in our lives. There's something really important that has to happen here. We have to grasp this. As a church, we constantly look at others and we're trying to build others up. The Bible says when you gather together, build each other up. Don't come together and go, I don't know about this and that. I don't like her. Sermon was good, but point two was weak. You know? Come together. Come to contribute. Don't come to evaluate. Get together with the family of God and build up the family of God. You don't have to be blood to be family. There's a lot of kids that I just kind of adopted said, I'm going to be at this point, still an uncle or an aunt to that kid, right? In a few years, it'll be grandpa, right? I just look at other people's kids, and I go, hey, I want to invest in you. I want to, see, I want to see what God has for you in your life. So here it is. This, this is Samuel's final act in God's grand story of his life. Samuel, at this point in history, begins to slowly fade. We don't hear a whole lot about him. And David becomes the leader of God's people. So here's the question. Who are you elevating? Samuel understands, I'm just going to accomplish my purpose in life. I don't need my name in lights. I don't need a grandstand. I just want to do what God's called me to do. And what God called him to do was to elevate someone else. And any successful man or woman of God is looking to elevate others. 
So who are you elevating? Maybe like others who are family or friends, we don't see the full potential in people all around us. Sometimes in life, I feel like God says to me, don't look at that young person who's cocky or whatever. Just love them. Just believe in them. Just pour into them. You don't have to correct everything about them. The Lord can take a heart that's for him, can turn them into a world leader. The anointing of David was the capstone of Samuel's career. He chose to elevate others. I've had some wonderful people in my life look past my shortcomings and believe in me and elevate me. One of them is my friend Pete Bowdish. Five and a half years ago, he said this, what God has called you to do, he will be with you to help you to do it. There will be challenges, but the Lord will be with you. What God has called you to do, he will be with you. Whatever God's called you to do, he said very clearly that he'll be with you. You're not doing it on your own. He'll be with you. It's been one of those weeks, sometimes you get in ministry and Yesterday, I had a phone call with a friend. News came in that a wonderful friend of mine, a couple that used to lead our young adults ministry in this church, moved away. News came in that their son had taken his own life. I mean, this guy's a lifelong friend because when I was 18 to 25, he was one of those people that believed in me, poured into me. We became great friends, older than me, didn't matter, great friends. And it upset me and bothered me and finally called him last night. And it was so, we haven't talked in honesty in years, years. And you got to make that phone call, you know, there's no words to say. So I called the phone number and he answered the phone. And when he answered the phone, I heard my own voice. And I thought, oh, I've got one of those echo things happening on the cell phone. And then I soon discovered, he said, he said, Peter Degon, would you believe that at this very moment, I'm watching you pray to close a sermon on your website? And we haven't talked talking in years. He said, my son took his life. And he said, I went to your website and I, I found this sermon and it was called The Brevity of Life. And he said, I guess that's fitting. And he said, I began to watch it, and I watched the last 35 minutes of it, and now you're calling me during your prayer. And we talked, and we cried, and we prayed. Because this kid is gone. Nothing we can do about that now. It's so important to have good people around you who elevate you, who care for you. And I got to be that person for him after he spent time doing that for me. Listen, you have to, have to, have to develop friendships in your life. You're going to need them more than you know. So make Jesus Lord of your life. See people as he sees them. See yourself as he sees you. And elevate others. Don't worry so much about your image. Can we bow our heads together?
Lord, today we come into your presence. And God, we know that you're speaking to us, even here, even now. Lord, you have plans for our future, but it will not take place if we don't daily grow in you. There's something, God, you're preparing us for in the future. And we can't wait around twiddling our thumbs until that day comes. We have a responsibility to grow in the Lord during the days of waiting, during the days of wilderness. So God, we choose to grow daily so that we don't die gradually. Lord, we choose to believe in others, to elevate others. Like John, to understand he must become greater, I must become less. Lord, if there's someone in our family or our friends that we are taking for granted and not seeing their potential, change that in us. Lord, people looked at us and believed in us when we saw a lot of issues. Help us to be that kind of person for others. God, when you ask us to do hard things, help us not to shrink back from it. Lord, I don't want to go. It's going to cost me. There's going to be sacrifice. It's uncomfortable. It challenges me. But I'll do whatever you say. Because I'm not Lord of my own life. You're Lord of my life. And maybe for some of us, the spirit of rejection is on us. We feel like others have treated us like just a, a goat herder. And today's the day to be reminded, don't worry about what they think, what they say. Think about, be concerned about what God thinks of you. He will be with you. There will be challenges. But the Lord will be with you. If you're here today and you feel like God is speaking to you, would just slip up your hand and just show it to God. Lord, I know you're talking to me today. Just raise it really high. God, I know you're talking to me in this church gathering today. You can put it down once you raise it. Anybody else? Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And Lord, finally, we just pray that the Spirit of God would come upon us in power. That we would have strength not because of us, not because of others around us, not because of the approval of man, but the calling and the empowerment of the Spirit of God on our lives. God, help us to have strength that we shouldn't have. Give us wisdom and discernment that others don't have. Lord, for that young person who's being called to something great later in their life, And they feel like the only one who's serious. Maybe their family doesn't even serve the Lord. But God, for that young person, God, get a hold of their heart today because there's important things to accomplish in their future. God, call us to greater things, all of us. We believe that you have more for us and we don't want to settle for less. So Lord, we invite you to be Lord of our lives. We invite you to use us. Help us to see ourselves as you see us. Help us to elevate others. And help us to serve you with all of our heart, with all of our lives. 
in the Spirit's power. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Wow. It is the first Sunday of summertime. So if you got nothing else to celebrate, you got that. In this uh, state, you got that. Make sure you bless someone, you encourage someone, you edify someone before you leave. All right? God bless you.